Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. So if you would, let's go ahead and get our Bibles out and we're going to go back to Matthew. But instead of Matthew 5, we're going to go to Matthew 6. Thanks again, Bobby, for sharing with us today. Um, and love what you guys are, are doing over there. Um, for those that have been in the house, you know that we've been spending the past, uh, gosh, I guess it's nine months now, on the life of Jesus. And we're at the point where we're talking about the Sermon of the Mount, and we've covered the first two major sections of the Sermon of the Mount between the Beatitudes and the fulfillment of the law and the heart behind the law. And we're starting to move into what's going to be our summer series. It was started, uh, I think three weeks from today, which is going to be living this life and kind of more of a playbook type mentality. This is what it looks like to, to, to follow Christ. But we are going to dip our toes into the first section of it. This kind of a segue. One, because it goes perfectly with the, the start of our, uh, our partnership of Voice of Hope this month. Um, but, but also because I think it, it starts laying into that heart. You remember last week when we got to the room, we were talking about generosity. We're going to talk about that more t- this week. Uh, that's kind of where I want to continue that conversation, is if we're looking at these different areas that God's moving us into as a church, uh, it, where, where does the generosity, where does the motivation of generosity come into place with that? And so that's a big part of what we're going to talk about today is the motivation of, the, of generosity. So I'm going to read uh, a little and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk it through. Uh, before I do though, I, I'm sure, um, as Bob was talking about her new t-shirt, uh, I've got a new shirt on today as well. Yay. Picked it up myself. Uh, wife, can I borrow you? We've noticed a new feature about my shirt that a couple people have noticed. And so for some reason, she finds it really fun. What are you doing? Okay. Just fun only. Okay, I'll show fun only. This has the pockets of a kangaroo up front. This is like Joey within it. And then my wife thought it was funny that she can do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did this, just to let you know. She's a very abusive household. Evil woman. With that, let's, you know, read the words of Jesus. <laughs> Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is a little bit different than what we studied a couple months ago uh, when we were talking about generosity and the heart behind generosity. This is the motive of generosity and what comes behind it. And I do want to say that this is one of those uh, tensions that's in the scripture that's designed to be a tension to make us better. So as we go through this, let me remind you, as Tom does commentary, you can agree with it, you can disagree with it, you can do whatever you want with it. The scripture part we're stuck with. That's, that's just the way it is. But my commentary, you can consider it and see how, how you feel because this is something that really trips up some people 
on how they handle the generosity. Now, usually when we go through something like this, we'll use personal examples and the church uh, examples of how we do it as we all come together. Uh, I'm going to start with the church side on this particular uh, area of things because I think it's a little easier to see because people have experienced it um, in different ways from a negative standpoint. And I've seen it quickly, and I think we embrace that a little bit quicker than from the individual. So I'm going to start with kind of a church mentality of how this um, can be messed up and how this can be done well. Churches should be involved in the community. Churches should be generous. Churches should be out there, taking and representing Christ within the community. But we have seen in different areas, again, the body of Christ is the body of Christ, but we have seen some disease in different areas and different motivations that are not always good. They kick us into weird places. If they're using generosity to build the church into a megachurch, it's not a good method or a good reason to be doing that. I, I was in a, I'll give you some examples, but I was in a meeting uh, once with churches talking about helping people in need. And I, I, I think I shared this one once before, maybe not. Um, and there was uh, one pastor there that asked the question, why would I want to help somebody with their heating bill if they're not going to start going to my church? Bad reason. Not something that was really impressive in the room. Everything got real quiet real quick. And, and it's, especially with a lot of the pastors in church are bivocational, don't have a lot of resources that want to love on people to love on people. We can get into some pretty messy places within that. So we have to, to watch those type of things. And the, the, the sad part is people see that. People see that, and then they see the church patting themselves on the back, and it hurts our testimony. Um, this past week, I was meeting with a buddy of mine, uh, Neil and I were talking about a little bit before church, that is working on some uh, prison reentry program. And um, there's a they do there's a group in Akron that's doing it extremely well. They want to bring it to to Marion and start helping in some different areas. We have on the average 32 people coming out of prison into Marion County, um, trying to re-enter into community. And if you've ever had someone, either yourself or someone in your family, someone you care about, trying to re-enter the community, it's hard. It's really hard. And he they are trying to find the best ways to not get volunteers, not to even raise money. They've got everything kind of in place, but how do we get the churches involved? How do we get the churches um, just to even be knowledgeable about it for the, the people that are, are dealing in this particular area? And um, so that's where I came into, into place. And so we were having lunch. I said, well, I'll be honest with you because I, I really am not smart enough not to just say what I'm thinking. And uh, I said, to be honest with you, I can get you hooked up with a couple, like with the church in town, out of a couple of different options, that they will give you everything you need as long as they can put their name on it, as long as it's their ministry. Or you can do the grassroots hard work like Voice of Hope or like Love Inc., where you're dealing with individual churches who will look at it from a ministry standpoint. And I knew his heart up front. He's like, I'd rather do the grassroots. I'm like, okay. But, but there, there were some struggles in that area. Like, like we, I, I think we were so blessed to come out of a bookstore because we saw the, the importance of networking with one another and helping one another instead of having the Shepherd's Fellowship food pantry, the Shepherd's Fellowship clothing closet, the Shepherd's Fellowship everything, but that the church was doing it together. And that could be a real struggle that we have seen within it. So there is definitely a challenge sometimes within the church on doing things in such a way that just not Pharisee-like or Sadducee-like, religious leader-wise, as Jesus is talking about here. Um, there's other ways you can struggle with it. 
I think we struggled with this as a church up to about 10 years ago uh, with taking it um, maybe a little bit too far and not putting it in the context of the fullness of the scripture. Uh, and I know I've shared this story before, but it's still the pivotal story of it. Uh, about 10 years ago, we had um, a family in our church, and they had gotten really excited about missions, and which good. And, you know, that's a good thing. They got really excited about missions. And, but they got very frustrated because we as a church, from their perspective, did nothing mission-wise. And they were upset about this. And so they decided they were going to move on. And so I sat down with the, the husband or the, the, the dad of the family, and he was sharing this frustration with me. And I was like, well, what about this, 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 and this, and this, and this? Like off the top of my head, like several, seven different mission things that we were doing. And he's like, well, I've never heard about any of those. Right. Well, why don't you talk about them, Matthew 6? I, we, we just, it was, we don't want to lose the reward. We don't want to get you know, our egos into it. We don't want to become that church that puts our names on things or brags about things. And in and, and all, all honesty, I think we took it a little bit too far on the other side, which I'll explain here in a second. And then he was like frustrated because he didn't know, and now they're already kind of halfway out the door, and, and, and they did end up leaving the church just because they didn't know what we were doing behind the scenes. Um, so you can take that too far as well. And that was a challenge, I think, that we had. And, and here's the reason why I say it's a challenge. If you go over to Acts 2, you can actually lose your place there in Matthew. Uh, but Acts 2, and again, if you're using your version, just go down a little bit. But we had to kind of relook at one of our keynote. There's three scriptures that really were our key scriptures when it came to starting the Shepherd's Fellowship. And this is one of them. Uh, it should be, I think, in most churches. But in Acts 2.42... It tells us what the church looked like right after uh, Pentecost, when the church was born. By the way, today is Pentecost. Uh, for those who are long-time people, probably think that's weird because you know I love Pentecost and we really jack up Pentecost and enjoy Pentecost. Uh, I don't feel it's the flow of what the Spirit is doing today, and I'm going to follow the flow, uh, especially on Pentecost. But uh, this is after the Spirit had filled them and 3,000 people came to the faith that day. This is the explanation of what the church looked like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This is everybody in the, in the church that were following Jesus. All came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as anybody had a need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their neighbor, number daily those who were being saved. If we look at this in the context of the scriptures, right, why were people coming to the Lord? Like, why was it able to ask? Because they saw the church being the church. They saw people taking care of each other. They saw if I had extra property and I'm selling it and I'm helping another family out with food. They saw the impact of what happens when love meets feet that goes out and does the work. And all of a sudden the world was being impacted by this counterculture uh, mentality that they were just amazed by just amazed by. And so as we're reading that, it starts to become, where's the lesson? Where do we talk about what we're doing? Where do we not talk about? What's our motive behind it? How, how does these things come into balance? You still with me? Let's look at it from a personal standpoint. Uh, I've seen people get up, locked up on this as well uh, when we take it a little bit too extreme outside of context, I think. Um, 
people, maybe they help somebody on the street or they're volunteering at a program or they're mentoring a kid that ha has struggles or they're doing some kind of charity um, and they want to do it to the Lord and then somebody finds out about it. I've literally seen people like, oh, no. Like, I let them find out. Somehow they found out. As if, if what Jesus was saying here was like, they were mentoring that child, and he had a throne he was going to give them up in heaven. I was getting ready to put on the shelf, and then Bob found out about it. It's like, well, guess that's not going to happen. You know, like, like it had to be some kind of secret society within it that would bring overwhelming into the standpoint so that if anybody found out, like, there was this very rigid rule to it. But um, that doesn't match up to Acts 2. It doesn't match up to the life of Christ. It doesn't match up to how the apostles lived. It doesn't match up to what we're called to be. So again, where is that balance? Where does that thing come into place at that tension that's supposed to help us and move us forward? Um, and for, for me, it's how we read Matthew 6. I think if we read Matthew 6, just like we did today, just within itself, it comes off kind of regimental, and I'll, I'll talk about that. But we've got to remember, Jesus got, just got done with all of Matthew 5, saying, you've heard it said, don't murder. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you that those details of that law, that rigidness of that law was there to teach you the heart behind it. That don't be angry. Don't say raka. Don't lust. Don't make a foot. It's all. It's about that heart. It's about that that freedom. He was moving them out of a place of this regimental reading. So I don't think in six he's going to put us right back in there. It's going to be about the heart. It's going to be about fulfilling the heart behind what he's saying. So when we look at verse one and he says, "Don't do it like they did in order to be seen," or verse two, that they may be praised that they were looking for something that was not God godly. They weren't looking to uh, bring glory to God. They weren't looking at doing it. They wanted something for themselves, and they got it, and it's done. Don't be like them. Now, I think it gets most struggling with the standpoint, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is saying. And this is what I'm saying. This is Tom commentary, so if I'm wrong, just blow it off. Come back next week. We'll see if we get something better for you. But to me, that's an impossible statement. That's a hyperbole statement that God, Jesus is using to get us shooken out of our normal routine and our thinking of doing it for me. Even do, do it for me could just be I just like having a nice warm feeling when I do something for somebody else, and that's what you were going for, and that's what you got. He has this hyperbole statement that says, don't let your right hand and your left hand know what the other one is doing. Don't let that, and that's just simply impossible to do. To me, it's um, kind of like here in a few weeks we're going to be talking about prayer. And he says, I tell you, don't pray in public. Just like wanting people to see you. Take and go into a closet, be by yourself, just you and the Lord. And then he goes out and he prays in front of people. It's these hyperbole statements of saying, if you are praying for public, let's take you way over here so that we can get to the heart of what really, really matters, of where the passion is, of where the glory is, where God's moving. In the same way, if you're taking and showing everybody what you're doing, stop. Just stop. Maybe you need to not let anybody see for a while so that you can work that out of your system. But then we see him doing acts of kindness and generosity in front of people for God's glory. We see him at Lazarus' grave taking and praying, God, I need you to move in this situation. I'm not praying for my sake. I'm praying for their sake so that they get it. There, there's something about people needing to be able to see the Christians, see the church, 
being public with the, the generosity in a way that our heart is not shattered in a way that we're doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, some examples I'll throw out. out there. One we've already seen with Chris and the missions itself. Chris hates when I talk about her up here. She hates when um, I, I honor her in any way, shape, or form. She hates when I drag her up here. That's why I like to mess with her even more. Um, Audrey's same way, take, taking the week off to be a part of that. Um, there, there are people that are doing incredible work, just incredible work, in ways that m most people probably wouldn't think that much about, uh, to do big things that's beyond them because of, of God moving through them. Uh, I, I simply don't know a lot of people who will say, I'm going to do this big time, rock out, yard sale for missions, and I'm not going to take a dime from it. I just don't know people who do that. I don't know if people who do that, um, except for one and the people I was supporting her. Now, there's mission signs at the property. There's we're joke, joking and talking to people about God. I'm saying, be I, I don't get to be there a lot. I think I did a total of what, 15 minutes of that, but saying be blessed to people who are going on and whatnot. They're seeing the church within the community. Uh, I shared yesterday, when I, I came back, uh, I officiated a funeral yesterday morning for Duchess's uh, mom. And um, as a, when I came back, and knowing the story for, for the family, as I came back, I celebrated on Facebook. I pulled in, and Jeremiah's out there. He's mowing. He gets off. He got new bulbs because there's some bulbs out, and nobody asked him to do it. He just kind of jumped on it. And there's new flowers out here that Deb took and uh, came out, and she was reading, and she put some new flowers out. Uh, they're already ready to, ready to go. I'm here for maybe five minutes, and Angie pulls in, and all of a sudden there's a can of caravan of like five cars, one right after another, of people that cooked food for Duchess's family, and Angie and uh, enlisted Viv and, and Emily, and took that over to the, the family's house so that they could be there as soon as they came home from the graveside service to be able to do that. I mean, that, that stuff's just happening, and I love it. I love it. None of them are praised for it. Probably already made a couple people mad just by mentioning names and all that, whatever. That's, that's the heart. And is it wrong for me to celebrate that on Facebook? Or does that show people this is what the church is supposed to look like? You know, so, so there really becomes a lot of questions within that of how those things go. I think another example, quite frankly, was Duchess's mom. Uh, Mary was someone I didn't know very well. I got to meet her a couple of weeks ago. Went to the North State home, spent a couple, uh, like 45 minutes with her or whatnot. And um, listening to everybody speak yesterday and my time with her and the testimony that she had, she was such a, she actually reminded my mom, uh, my mom quite a bit. We lost a couple of years ago. Very quiet, very encouraging, loved to sit and have conversations whether or not she knew you or not. Great sense of humor. Just uh, sends cards, sends letters, uh, and people talked about it over and over and over and over again. Um, was it wrong for everybody to set up in a room and talk about it? No. There's a celebration of that testimony that was there. So with that, we'll come back to kind of another church example. Uh, we've been talking about the rooms with these community uh, partnerships. And again, we're getting to work with Barbara and with her team on uh, Voice of Hope. And just want to let you know at this point, it will be celebrated. You will see it on Facebook. You'll see it on their page at some point, somehow, on Facebook. Um, we'll talk about it a lot for the next month or so. We'll uh, take and keep each other updated on how many bottles are coming back in. None of that is for our own sake. 
there's two reasons why we do this particular community partnership. One, because we believe in the mission that they're doing and want to support it. And two, we want to see the, have the community see the church. They want to see, that's the thing I loved about the di diaper drive, is that we could put together diapers for another church, hand it off to them and say, keep doing the good work of the Lord. So we really have to look at our missions, both with what we're doing and uh, where we're headed, uh, to make sure that we're moving, that we're investing, but um, we've got to make sure he gets the glory. Here's the thing that's really cool. Um, like Bob was talking about up here with the, uh, you know, the, the laundry room, which I need to talk to Jenny about now. Uh, see how much money I'm losing. <laughs> and the car and stuff. The thing that's really cool about, about, uh, about this to me is we have an opportunity to show the world that God can use what we consider of no value. No value. By digging out some from the back of the couch or some pile little ball that you still are changing because you don't like the mess change. I hate, don't want change. But it has no value and it will come together and do something glorious. And you can't tell me that the, the, the world needs to hear that message from the church. That he uses the things that no one else sees values in and does great things, beautiful things. And that's the opportunity of what we have to be able to share. So I want to be able to kind of talk about some of that and just be able to, to do, do that. We don't want to do it in a smug way. We don't want to pat ourselves in the back. Again, the community has seen enough of that, enough of that, enough of that. But they do need to see the church in action because sometimes they don't see enough. So, If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.